Okay, wow. Um, so this one, uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. And this is, um, I'm honestly like privileged, Sophie, that I've been able to like get your time um, and you're even giving me the time to be on this. But um, I've watched you for a few years. Um, super love what you're doing. You're obviously doing some really cool stuff in your space. But before we kick off, could you maybe just introduce yourself and before I introduce the topic that I think is going to be very interesting to go deep on with you based on your experience and my perspective. But for everyone listening, could you maybe just share a few words about who you are, um, you know, maybe some of the companies you've been in, kind of what you're doing now? For sure. Um, so I'm so obviously um i have spent my last 10 years working in recruitment and then eventually like everyone else naturally fall into hr and so that means i went also from a corporate background into most recently in the last six years i was predominantly just in the startup space and mostly in um, financial services so you know like like i said in the last um five six years all i've really been doing is you know doing hyper growth, which means hiring tons of people, making tons of mistakes, and then, you know, try to learn from it and then move on to another company and try to do a much better job. And then here I am. I mean, I'm in Oakham right now. We're a micro lender um, based in London. And I've been here um, close to close to a year now with them. And I am super excited about talking, you know, to you about this uh, topic today, because it's, it's something that is just so personal to me. And I hope mm. it can relate to a lot of other females out there. Cool. And maybe that's a nice segue into introducing the topic. And I think we just chatted about doing this. We want to do this in a very interesting way because it's a big topic and it will rub some people the wrong way and others an interesting way. But I think for any women out there, like really pushing in their career and, and really trying to climb to the top, if that's your focus or, or just become a specialist, an expert in your area, I think it's something that we need to talk about a bit more. Um, so the topic for this one, which Sophie and I have been talking about is this idea that as a female kind of coming into the workplace, looking to climb the ladder or really prove yourself and, and get into a position of leadership. And even when you get into that leadership, how to be really careful, because, uh, contrary to what many people might think, uh, despite men sometimes being blockers to pro career progression, women, other women that are senior in your business that have done very well can be equally as dangerous, if not more of a blocker. And it opens up Pandora's box. Um, and I think we can both speak from observation and perspective. And, you know, I'd love to hand it over to you, Sophie, as someone who's become a leader in her industry. You know, can you share just some of your perspectives on, you know, maybe some stories that you can kind of reflect on that, you know, as you're going through this, you know, this is a thing that does happen that you need to be really aware of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I'm one of those people where I've been actually really privileged and really lucky that, you know, I grew up in, a, in, in an environment where my dad was an absolute feminist. So, you know, I was told at a very young age that I could do whatever I want to do and I can achieve dreams and dare to dream. Um, I know it's a bit cliche, um, but here I am as well. You know, I went into like before financial services, I, you know, my career started in automotive. So it was a heavily male dominated environment as well. And that's why diversity and inclusion is something I care about so passionately. It's because when I was in uni, I realized, you know, going through like mechanical engineering for four years doing my degree, I was the one of the two um, female in the entire cohort. So that kind of, you know, that kind of sort of shaped me to who I am today um, and gave me a lot of that resilience because thinking that, oh, you know, just because things are fair at home doesn't mean things are fair outside. So I went through, I went through the whole ordeal of, you know, um, you know, um, 
pursuing my career, trying to do what I really love to do and just like really trying my best to champion in the, in the areas that I, I re- I'm really passionate about. And then somewhere along the lines, I've always realized I have been really lucky because I've had, you know, I was, I've been reporting to um, male figureheads that were always very willing to give me opportunities. But there are also times where I felt my biggest challenge was actually, um, was actually not, not just to fight for a seat at the table, was actually just trying to work really well with another female um, peer. And then obviously the challenge became harder and bigger as, as my, continue, my career continues to grow. And that means I was working more with um, female, like see, more, more senior female leaders, right? And that's when the real interesting um, challenge came about. It's when I started realizing it was actually way more difficult to get ahead or actually, or even to be treated fairly um, by these other senior females. So, so in the last couple of years, I personally have, have been in situations where um, I was told what I'm doing is not good enough by another female um, leader. When, you know, like since even every, every girl or every female right now, I'm sure there's someone sitting, 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 um, sitting at home now listening to this podcast thinking, oh, you know what? I just met someone who's, you know, who's an industry expert um, they're great, you know, they've got a great um, persona, they've got a, an exciting um, public profile as mm-hmm. well. And then as soon as they, you work together, you thought, oh, you know what, I'm probably like the most lucky um, person right now is because everyone else wanted to reach out to them under, you know, maybe they have like 80,000 followers on Twitter or whatever it is. But every other person might be feeling, oh, they must be really jealous of me because I can have direct access to this female leader. And I wanted to learn from her. And I thought, you know, for you to get there in this particular career um, stage, as well as the industry that I'm so passionate about, I need to learn everything I can from you. But on the contrary, it was actually the most difficult thing. It's because it, I was constantly told I wasn't good enough or I am too young. I had plenty of time to try and figure that out, figure this out. But never once in my life, I had a, um, I had a male that told me I needed to take more time to learn. It was always mm. more positive and more encouraging where look, maybe this is not something that's great for you right now. These are the areas you can go into. It was very, it was a very natural um, mentoring relationship most of the time. So, so I guess, I guess, you know, my dilemma for a while for the last couple of years were, can I actually work with female leaders? And obviously as my career continued to grow, I came into a leadership position just like I am in Oakham right now, where it's also my responsibility to bring in leadership into the company. So do I stop myself from doing that just because I've been burned before, but from my own experience, or do I at one point in my career finally realize, Oh, because I'm a senior leader, a senior leader and the, and the experience that I've had, I no longer am in the right position to champion diversity. That mm. kind of felt like bullshit to me. Right. So I guess what I'm really trying to say is there are more and more that I've seen um, because, because externally I also do a lot of mentoring and I think, you know, the, the, the intensity of um, how much more or the frequency of how much more I've done mentoring in, in my external network is also solely based on the fact that I didn't really get a mentor myself. That was a female figurehead. I wish I could, but, you know, the, the, the people that I have been so proud of, of having the privilege to work with are all male. Right. Yeah. And, and so I decided that, you know, if I can, if I can give this back to my community, I would want to, because I also at that point, I realized I don't want to be this person 
that I, you know, that, that I met. And so I guess it's also, it's also um, after, after speaking to a lot more um, people in my network since having that experience myself, I realized a lot more people are actually being blocked by their female, female leaders. I mean, I'm in a really like nice situation right now. I'm very comfortable where like my peer, um, my peer is a female and she's obviously a female leader and she's probably one of the best female leaders I've worked with. We collaborate. Um, we work really well together. There's a lot of respect, but there's also the, you know, there's also the opportunity to like, um, learn from each other. And we had a very open, we have a very open relationship and conversations all the time. So for me, I kind of felt like that was an outlier and I'm not sure there are many, many female out there that are, you know, lucky enough to actually come across another peer, um, or another, um, superior that would be in a position to help them or support them. Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting because when we had our chat last week about this topic, I reached out to some people that I know who were also female leaders. And I'm amazed by how much this story resonated. How many other women were like, yeah, it is a thing. Like I have had terrible experiences with other females above me who they kind of say they're going to help me. But then when it comes down to it, they're actually not helping me. They're dragging this out or they're actually providing me with information which is not useful. And that's shocking, but I think it's, it's interesting as coming from a male position, right? So I think we spoke earlier, I, my parents are divorced, so my mother and my sister raised me from a young age. So I've had very strong female presence my whole life, and that's definitely had an impact on me. But what's more interesting is when I look and reflect on the businesses that I've worked in, I think men to men, you know, the male to male ego thing in terms of someone wanting to make it and crush their career and go, I honestly do feel from my perspective, it is just raw competition. It's that like dog eat dog. Who's the best? But for sure. And men typically from what I've seen, they don't sabotage each other. You know, they're very like, may the best man win. But what I've heard and what I've seen with others, especially the women's is that some women are very vicious about how they will manipulate situations and put things happening. So my question is, you know, with your career so far and and maybe reflecting on that, and it could just be not like a generic thing for all women, but where is that coming from? Like, how is this dynamic evolving? Is it because women that are in leadership now that have really fought goddamn hard to get there, they're like, I've earned this title. You know, I'm not just going to give away my knowledge, which I've suffered for. Is it linked anything to that? Or is it just raw? I'm not going to say jealousy, but like, there's not many seats at this table. I'm protecting my seat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, Can you imagine how many of the same conversations I've had with my husband? right? Yeah. Just to get his perspective on this. Mm. And I think we've come to a conclusion that it's very evident that if you were to look at, say, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, probably very controversially, um, there, is a, there is definitely a generation um, situation where a generation issue where, you know, like it's one, it's way harder 10 years ago when yeah. women were fighting their very best to get a seat at the table. And so obviously when things come really hard, it's not in your natural essence to be like, oh, I'm just going to give this away now. I'm going to go and mentor and then I'm going to be like the biggest person in the world and, and, and share this amongst all women so that we can all flourish and be successful together. Mm. And, I think, and I think, you know, the sheer, I've had that myself as well as I was going through my career, that sheer satisfaction of finally being like, oh, I'm recognized or like I have authority um, it's, it's satisfactory 
right? And so why would you why would you give that away, you know, so early or, or at an early stage? And why not savor it for a much longer period until you're like, I've had enough of this, maybe now it's time for others, right? It really depends on like how you pace yourself and what kind of really personality you are. I, I fundamentally believe that. But then there's also, on the other hand, I think, you know, someone like myself, I am, I'm not trying to tip my own horn, but it, it comes more naturally for me to be like, oh, I'm not going to be jealous. Um, I'm not going to be jealous. Of course, I'm very competitive, as you can tell already. I, I want to be the best, but I'm not going to go and um, sabotage or, 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 or force a seat at the table. Um, I would rather prove it with my own, you know, with my own hard work or whatever skills I have. But I think that's also because I've already had quite a privileged yeah. like career line. Like someone had, had always thrown me um, a lifeline where I can do better or, or I can improve or I can get a promotion if I do this or I do that and these things. So, so I guess for me to naturally be like, oh, I can help others too because I have been helped before. So it becomes more natural and easier for me to sort of like, hey, you know, I can let this go. Let me teach you how. Like some people reach out to me and be like, look, I, I got this dream job. I don't know how to interview. Do you mind helping me? I go, absolutely no problem. We'll just have a quick conversation through it. Nothing for me to prepare. So I was very willing to do that, I guess, also because like it gave me a lot of, like I felt it was really rewarding, but also because I felt I cannot be one of those women, but I understand why that happens. Because if I'm being perfectly honest with you, it's not just in the work environment. I'm sure you've seen some of your friends or like I have personally, some of my friends where I felt some of these girls just do not get along. But, they, yeah. they, but they're friends for a reason, right? It's because the sheer competition actually feeds. It, it's nice to feed each other that competition so that they kind of feel like I'm going to be on top or I'm going to be on top. It's rewarding for them and they want different mm -hmm. things in life, whereas I want different things in life. And so, so I do feel the generation actually does play um, a part in this because I have seen, um, you know, I have seen I have seen an older generation female leaders where they are actually not as helpful. Exactly like the conversation that you you've had um, with your network, they will say, "Oh, I really want to help you. I really want to help you." But there's nothing substantial. It's more like you want to be like me. Well, watch and learn mm -hmm. instead of you know some most most of the most of the time you should be you, as a mentor. Even you should be saying, "Oh, you you really want to learn? Right? Let's get down to business." And it doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I just, we just hired this incredible woman called Nikki. So she went through a very grueling process, 23 days with us to recruit her. And I know that we've joked around about my recruitment process. So we've made it very difficult to get in. But you know, what I love about it is that you fucking earn your stripes. You earn your stripes to get in. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. What she did was she beat everybody. And she knew that she beat everybody, but that's one thing. But the, the most important thing, at least from my perspective, and this is, this is gender neutral, anyone that you bring into your company, I think you should always be trying to hire way better than yourself. And I'm wondering, and I'm challenging women listening, and this is very much at women, you know, do they embrace that philosophy or do you see that as a threat? You know, do you see as like, ah, you know, I would love to bring in other strong, incredible women because maybe I can learn from them. But then I think there is this thing where then I'm threatened. Then, you know, my job's on the line. Like, what if you take my job and then over, you know, step over my career? And I've been fighting for years to get to where I am today. And I don't really see it the same way on the male side. I think males really honestly do see it differently. Um, and it's just an observation, right? And I mean, it, it is more generic, but um, 
I'm sure, and I'm amazed that you were at least lucky to have some amazing leaders um, that were female in your career. And funnily enough for me, one of, and I've never had an amazing manager, and I hope that she's listening to this podcast. I don't know if she does, but there's a woman called EJ. She lives in London. She was my, my first proper manager ever. She was probably my favorite. And she was a woman because she like zoomed in on me. Like she was like, hey, Hacken, you're just starting out in your career. I could feel the empathy really wanting to coach me. I've never felt that from anybody else. And that's almost flipping it upside down, right? So I'm wondering how many women like to hire men to coach them. Is that a dynamic? I have no idea. But I really remembered that from her and I really respected that. So EJ, if you're listening, like, I don't know if I ever told you this, but like you really actually helped me in the beginning of my career to understand what an empathetic leader could feel like, not look like, but feel like. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and what do you think about that from a recruitment perspective? Because we joked, and this is maybe slightly inappropriate, but I, I do think it's an interesting observation from people that I've spoken to. You know, you have a female leader recruiting for a team, and if she has other women in her team, this is very tough to say, but you very rarely find someone else that's better looking or more classy or more well-dressed, right? I don't know if that's an in, an in an unconscious thing that, that might be going on. I'm sure it's not, but it's also an interesting observation. And I don't know if men do the same. Is this your observation? It's definitely from what I've seen, from teams that I've seen. So it's, it's definitely more from my biased perspective. I can't speak for everyone. I mean, I mean that's interesting to, to hear. I mean, I've only ever really seen. Um, it's two sides of the spectrum, uh, two ends of the spectrum, right? It's, it's either like a, a female leader who, never, who doesn't have any female in, in their team. It's, it's because, again, you know, it's the sheer satisfaction of having authority over this mm. male dominance that had been overruling us for God knows how many centuries. So like, finally, this is my place. I'm, I'm making, a, I'm making it a, a part of, of the world, making this a piece of mine. Or, you know, or, or I've seen um, female leaders where they have a blend of everything else. They have a blend of um, everyone in their team. And it actually really didn't matter because they were focused on different things. I, I guess those are the kind of leaders who are, you know, who are really focused on, you know, the right things like, Back to back to your point earlier when you said, um, "Is this is this competition, or 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 do they not want someone who's going to be better than them?" I, I guess you know it's really the kind of leader you are. Like, are you? Women have empathy, and it should be the most powerful tool in everything you do. Yes, data gives you the black and white. Your anal your analysis, the patterns, the trends that you start picking out these these topics. Who are the best coaches? Like naturally it's women, right? Or unless, unless you show a lot of empathy, which a lot of, you know, like, like you said, generically, um, uh, male don't show it as much, but empathy should be the most powerful tool that we were. So one women struggle to use that is because we were told for many, many years that, um, showing empathy means you're a weak leader, but Hey, yeah. you know, those things are on now. So use that as a tool and actually be a great leader. And this is what I want to urge other, other female leaders to do because you know how rewarding it is when, when you coach someone out of a bad turn and then even if you don't keep them on in your company for long term, you know for a fact that you have set them free and they're going to get a much better satisfactory job in the future and they will thank you one day. But, but, don't be, but don't be, you know, sort of blocking your own empathy and be like, I'm going to have great conversations with you, but then actually I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to help you. I'm just going to sit here and listen to you and give you some golden advice, which may, may or may not work, 
today's day and age anymore. So, you know, it's, it's almost like when you see some leaders, um, I've always had a blend of, of different people in my team. And I've definitely failed many, many times in my career. I felt when, as I was growing as a manager, I had failed miserably um, when I was in a hyper-growth company where, where I was just like, I had a female and I had a male um, um, person reporting it to me and I just did not know how to deal with. I, I don't know if, if I do it differently for, for both of them, I would be unfair. It was, it was my time to figure out what kind of manager I wanted to be, what kind of leader I wanted to be. Yeah. Until I made my mistake, and then I realized, you know what? Maybe empathy is my is my strong suit, and I'm going to go for it. And this is how I'm going to communicate with people. This is how I'm going to relate to people because the only way to help them is to show them that I care. But the way I care is because I can put myself in your shoes, and so therefore I can relate. And I think what's really important to me, and this is kind of moving away from the gender topic, but I read a post recently about someone that I know that posted something which I actually strongly disagreed with, but of course everyone has their perspective. This idea of showing vulnerability, I think that is 100% incorrect. I think empathy and vulnerability are very different things, but you know, I think it's about if you're going to be vulnerable, I think it's very powerful when your team can see this, but it shouldn't be uh, sought after to look vulnerable. I think the vulnerability should come from action. Hey, look, I'm doing certain actions, which makes me vulnerable, but I'm not trying to be vulnerable on purpose to make you kind of feel like I'm that leadership that's going to be there for you. That should never be the course of action. That actually, for me, is counterproductive. That makes me really question leadership. Like, why are you always vulnerable? I would much rather be like, I can see the actions that you're taking and those actions by default are producing some vulnerability, which I admire because it means that you are open to being, you know, a victim of the outcome. You know, you're not, you're making a decision and you're standing by it. Um, and I love that, but not the idea of being vulnerable as a, as a precursor. That's, I need to be vulnerable to get the action. So that was very interesting. And I, I'm hoping people listen to that. And I'm, I'm curious, maybe it's wrong. And I think it's all about perspective. But I think what I love about the leadership journey, it's all about learning and being so yeah. open to that and honest about it. Like, I've had some complete screw ups with people that I've hired even for PO. And they haunt me, but like, I learn from them. And it, I've implemented the learnings into my process. And I think it's so important to pay it forward. You need to share that with others. Um, but I mean, backing up again, there's an interesting, you know, you mentioned it's a generation thing potentially, which I think, you know, I really, I agree with. And I, I've noticed a lot more in recent times, you know, female leadership stuff like, um, you know, women in sales, you know, women in marketing. There's a lot more of that coming up. Do you yeah. think people that are organizing these things are different to the, the ones who are not wanting to share knowledge and support other women? Do you think these initiatives are generally, as a new era, coming from positions of, hey, let's band together and help each other? Because we spoke about the idea that from a female to female perspective, you know, seeking female help outside of your company can probably be more effective versus seeking female support and leadership from within. Does that tie together anyway? Um, yeah, well... You know, you know, you know how I really feel about like propagandas like that. To be fair, I mean, no. I mean, I have met like some incredible um, mentors in my life where they either spent five minutes with me, gave me great advice, or they had spent hours on end with me. But none of them have actually really came from like a program as such. And I think, mm. and I think it's one of those things, right? I mean, how long did it take a to finally nail a recruitment process, recruitment filtering process, to finally realize, oh, what you're looking for is actually a cultural fit. 
took us years to get there before we were even able to say the word culture because it was such a discriminating way of saying it, right? So, so, so if they can do a lot, if they can put a lot more hard work in actually filtering the real mentors that are going to be helpful, then fair enough. I would say this, this, this initiative is always going to work. This initiative is great. It will bring, it will, it will really, really bring the diversity gap closer, but at the same time also make current um, female leaders a lot more empowered to actually speak up their mind or want to do what they want to do. And you know, you know, there's a situation called the sticky situation, right? And, and it's the kind of situation where in financial services, for instance, there's not that many women around leaders I'm saying. And so therefore it becomes natural for you to sort of feel like, Oh, I need to do really well in this company because they are our competitors and there's only one woman out there. So you're natural, like, you know, even before you met them in real life, you take them as your real competition because there's only one you want to do better than them. Um, like I said, even to a complete stranger and that's the reality. But then, but then there are situations where, you know, I used to be in the travel industry and so plenty of women, what is there to fight? Everyone's doing their own great thing. And so very different environments will cause people to react differently. And I think, I think, I think my bad experience is actually stemmed from the financial industry, uh, financial services industry. I think that that's a true reality of the scarcity of women in leadership positions had caused women to be a lot more spiteful mm. than they, sh- they, they, they should be. Then what advice would you give from your experience? You know, let's say you're, you're a, a woman or even a man. It doesn't really matter right now, but let's say you're a woman, but you're looking to get a mentor. You know, everyone says, go find a mentor, but it's yeah. fucking hard. <laughs> How do you find one? It's always the big question. And do you think a lot more women, at least from your personal perspective and your coaching that you've seen, they're leaning and gravitating. They need to find that other woman that can coach them, that they don't necessarily want to lean towards a man who could coach them equally or or they just won't understand the challenges that she might be facing is that a thing do you think that's a yeah. genuine powerful thing okay that, that that's a real thing so i'm going to be honest with you half of the maybe 90 percent of the conversation my first conversations with anybody who reaches out to me and asks me to be a mentor is to tell them do you have anybody in your workplace that can actually give you the time and space without actually thinking that that person has has to be um a woman that's 90% of my first conversations. It's because they need to understand that looking for a figurehead to learn from really needs to come from both ways. One, if I was a mentee, I would advise that if you reach out to someone that you say, you know, there's a great public profile and you think, oh, I absolutely love the way that, uh, the way that they're championing certain areas. And this is what, this is one of my passion. I want to reach out. If they don't give you the time of day, don't bother. Don't, don't, really don't bother because it ruins the experience of actually having great mentorship. And then on the other hand, if, if you are a mentor listening to this is if you don't have time for them and you actually truly care, direct that redirect them to another person. You're really not going to win that many brownie points in your life that is going to be banked away. And then, and then somehow magically one day you can, you can convert it to, into a gold medal. It really is not. Mentoring is something that is so selfless that you cannot think that this is something for branding, which, which is the case. And that's why I say, like, mm. like I said, this might be controversial, but in reality, that's why I shy away from propagandas. It's because it's just all about the noise. No one is really interested. 
I know for a fact that there are there are there are some peers in my network where they spend god awful amount of time speaking to other people, just mentoring, but they are not part of any large mentoring program because they genuinely care, and I think that's yeah. the most important. And and for mentees to be able to recognize that, it will really save you a lot of heartache. Like you said, finding a mentor is not it's 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 the hardest thing to do. Yeah, it's crazy, and you know, people ask me all the time, like you know, where do you find it? And I think it's really interesting. Some of the ones who might be, and um, this is not a dig at anyone in these programs, because maybe you have a good heart and you really genuinely mean it. But in general, I have personally felt the quality in those things is not so good because people are doing it for mixed reasons, right? When you find someone who's doing it because maybe they have a ton more time, they really are passionate about giving back and they actually can, can also understand someone that they can add value to and kind of accelerate them. I think that's super powerful, but it also leads back right now in CapDesk actually, because, and I'll be really frank and honest, I'm trying to rebalance the company. So I'm sourcing, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not being sexist here, but I am genuinely trying to find the best possible talent. But I am, you know, definitely leaning towards, you know, if there's any female strong profiles, you know, that's more interesting for me right now. Not because I'm being sexist, but. We need more balance at the top because women and men bring different perspectives. They bring different balance. It also helps with the growth because if you're a two male dominated company, it's not a very attractive place for women to want to apply for because of that very same problem from the beginning. Vice versa. I've actually heard the opposite is also, I've heard a woman who was like, I'm scared to join this company because there's too many women in it. Yeah, and I think that. it's so interesting. So it's not really the male-female thing. It's about being balanced and mm-hmm. trying to aggressively support that balance in skill set and also diverse backgrounds. You know, um, I think that is such a powerful argument to bring different people to the table. But it's something now that I'm in leadership and really responsible pretty much for a lot of the recruitment and cap desk, I'm really thinking about it. And yeah. it's something that I'm asking in interviews, you know, how does your mind work? You know, are you going to challenge us or are you just going to follow? And I don't want followers. I want people who are like, guys, you're wrong. And this is why you're wrong. Because I know the experience. I've done a few rodeos. I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Enable me to challenge you. And maybe the last thing, I'm conscious of time, maybe the last question. What do you think of this? As a female leader now where you are, maybe any other females listening, you know, the anxiety of leaving a company and joining a new one in a senior role. Let's say you're coming in as a CMO or a CCO, really senior level, right? And you know, the recruitment or the management team has endorsed you, you come in. You know, I've heard horror stories of women specifically who have come in and have just been so de-empowered. Like, hey, you kind of tick our box on the leadership level, but you know, we hired you for your great skill set. But um, yeah, everything that you want to do has to come through us. Yeah. What's your exposure to that? And is that a big problem thing? Because I've seen it maybe three times now and I, I think it's disgusting. Um, but I don't know if that's a thing or just an isolated event. I think, I think it's, it's, it's genuinely a thing, right? And it's almost like, how do you join a sorority? Mm. It's, it, how do you join the fret, right? It's the exact same thing. You, no matter the experience, as a new person, you come in, you're going to be the rookie. And you're going to have to listen to a couple of us before uh, before you start making your own autonomous decision. And in reality, this this is what it is. And it, I think it's exceptionally more difficult for a woman. It's because they would have to come in and then prove themselves all over again. But think about them. Think about the psychology of that woman. Right? She's sitting here thinking, 
well, I fought my way out. I fought my way through. Why am I fighting again? So, mm. you know, there's, there's no balance. And so I think, I think to resolve this issue, it needs to start from like the root cause there is people do treat new starters as rookies. People do treat new starters as um, you're not going to be good enough until you learn our ways. You know, the whole thing, and this is why, and this is why sometimes the word culture can also um, be the weakest link in your hiring process. You're hiring for cultural fit. You're hiring for cultural fit. You want them to be, you know, on point, speak the lingo, all of that. Great. I'm looking for my best friend. Fine. And then, and then on the other hand, when they come in, they're like, they haven't quite settled in yet. Um, they are, you know, you, you hear words like, um, we want to make sure they're a great cultural fit. And that's why we have probation period and all of this rah, rah, rah. No, not really. They've been doing the job for the last five years and that's why you hired them. They had it on paper. You interviewed them. The competency is there. It's tick, 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 all the boxes. They can come in, hit the ground running and do the job. Let them be. Why were you, why were you constraining them, but not in the interview process, but after they have joined, it's almost like, Oh, here's another hurdle for you to pass through just so that you can now finally become our best friend and the people we trust. And you're a recruiter, right? So you should know this out of anyone. This is what the goddamn recruitment process is for. You're you're fleshing out all the insecurities during that process. Like, for example, we have a very, very, very difficult challenge that everyone does. It's generic and it's it's customized to each role, right? The challenge is like the technical ability. Can you do the job? The team interview is like, how do we feel about you taking the reins, having the keys to the car and driving? Do yeah. we feel comfortable? Do we feel like you can kind of push back that you're not just going to be a yes person? That you're going to be like, hey guys, I actually strongly disagree and you've hired me on certain values, not on culture, screw culture fit. This is value fit, which then evolves the culture. Culture is not a static thing. It evolves with time, but it's who you bring in and the values they live. And we just did a team event in London. and This was such a really interesting test for me because we've hired several people who have never seen each other because they didn't get the contact time in person. And we just basically brought 14 people together. Half the team is new in terms of they'd never met each other. And I was amazed by how organically the conversations just started, right? Nothing was facilitated. People just like, hey, because you walk into that room and you're like, I'm looking at this person and I'm looking at that person and I goddamn know exactly why you're in this room. And that is very powerful because like we've all earned the table seat because you survived the gauntlet of recruitment. So I know what you've been through. I know what you've been through. Put that to one side. Now let's see how we feel in terms of just natural conversation. So powerful. And I'm learning about that. And is it sustainable? I, I goddamn hope so. But like, um, Let's end it on that. Unless, and, and I think, but it's so amazing. And I, I Sophie, I love these chats. I, I think that you're an incredible, um, I know that you don't like publicity, but like, I think that you're just an incredible statement in terms of your career journey and, and also what you represent. And I just, you know, anyone listening, you know, shout out to Sophie, connect with her or whatever, and just follow her. Like, don't even just follow her because she does produce cool stuff. And maybe to give it to you, anything you want to share as a last piece of not maybe advice, but you know, we've kind of positioned this as more of a female focused thing. Any seriously hard knocking advice you want to give to any of these potential female leaders listening. Um, and you know, it's funny cause I have Nikki and, and then Scarlett who've just joined and I loved it because I mentioned the car keys thing. We've mm. given them full trust. Just take it, run, just build it how you think it's supposed to be built. Give us a buzz when you need our help. 
And yeah. it's really empowering. And I hope that they, if they're listening, they can feel that. And, and then, you know, trust should be given until it's broken. I'm a big believer in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's how things work. I mean, I think, I think my only piece of advice is people need to be a bit more true to themselves. If they feel like they don't have the willpower or the capacity or even time to be a mentor, don't, don't say yes to it. I mean, it's, it's not a good look when, when, when you don't have time to do that or, you know, redirect them to somewhere else because it, you're not going to be able to use this brownie points. Trust me. So stop letting people down when you don't need to. On the other hand, if you're a mentee, really start looking for someone who you can aspire and you aspire to learn from, not necessarily whether or not they are a male or a female. I can, I can almost guarantee you, you know, just throughout my own experience, I've had so many privilege to work with great male leaders that have taught me everything I need to know up to date. And that's the most important piece of advice. It's, it's really is diversity isn't championed this way. Diversity isn't putting more female in, in a box just to balance the scale. It's not. It's, it's wanting to find the right people with the right mindset to then teach and give it back to the other more junior people so that they can then learn from there. It really isn't, it really isn't a numbers game. I mean, I cannot, I cannot stress that enough. Cool. Wow. Powerful. Love this episode so much. Um, Sophia, I'm, I'm privileged. Um, and I, you know, next time I'm in London, I'm back in London, September 7th. Let's catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sophie. No problem. 